I don't even remember where I don't remember where I got it, but I mean it was you know it was works. on the kids. Yeah, right. Yeah. You got one of those hats for me? <laughs> I mean I, I might I might be able to dig one up. I got DEA hats, CEA hats, they got all kinds of hats. You know what? You're a bald guy, you need hats. All right, guys, we're live. We're live. Hey Louie, look at you. You look like a golfer. What the fuck? Me? Yeah. What the hell is that, man? Yeah, yeah, I dug out a gun. You're on the shore, and you can't play your bass because there's no clubs to play in. You know what it is? It's that uh, we since we're doing this twice a week now, I'm running out of shirts, so I had to dig in deep, deep. <laughs> looks gift. like he's got a golf shirt on too, right? Hey. Well, listen, are you a golfer, Billy? I used to, but I my I got a tear in my left shoulder, and it hurts like hell when I swing a club. So I well, at least you have an excuse. All right, yeah. why is just lack of skill? Why don't we start the show, man? What do you think? Start it up, man. Start it up. Crank it up. All right, here we are, man, for another episode of Police Off the Cuff After Hours. My name is Mark DeMeo. I'm with my co-host in all things law enforcement, Bill Cannon. What's up, Bill Cannon? Yo, man, I, you know, Mr. to our audience, this is the second time we've had Louis on, actually the third, but two, you had two shows. And you want to introduce Lou, who Louis is or you want me to? <laughs> I think we'll stick to the, the game plan. So uh and introduce him every, every week, man. He gets you know what it is, he gets all riled up, he gets chopped in, he can't wait for the intro, man. It's it's literally one minute, man. Just chill. Like, I can't he's got an A personality, man. You know? All right, so we have a returning guest. He was phenomenal the first time. That's why we're having him back. He's a retired NYPD sergeant. He's an attorney now. He currently represents the captain association with the NYPD, and there's a lot going on with that right now. So without further ado, what's up, Lou LaPietra? How are you, sir? Mark, how are you? I'm great, man. It's you know, summertime. Mark, you know I'm on the we, Jersey Shore. You know how we say hey, cop, cops' balls are dipped in butter? His were dipped in fucking olive oil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Ah, that's funny. That's a good one. So you're good in the Jersey Shore, huh? You're at the Jersey Shore? I'm at the Jersey Shore. It's, uh, you know, the water's beautiful. It's hot, but um, there's not a whole lot of time for sunning because I'm, you know, we're on the phone. All the unions are working hard. There's a lot going on in the city. And um, it's it's an interesting time for the NYPD. Let's put it that way. What kind of spread you got out there? What kind of spread? Oh, I'm in a, I'm in a, I'm in a hotel, motel, what you're going to do today. Oh, you're I mean, vacation? I got whatever I could get last minute, you know, I, uh, yeah, we, we came down for the weekend. Uh, a friend has a house and it was, uh, too small to fit anybody. So we said, look, we'll take a, take a little modest hotel room down the road and uh, we'll hang out all day. And that's what we've been doing. You know, who's cooking? Uh, the a good so listen, the, the guy, the, the guys I'm staying with, are, one guy is Dino. His son is Vinny. Vinny's a, a Yonkers cop. He's an anti-crime cop in Yonkers. You'd yeah, love him. Yeah. Yonkers uh, wrote that letter to NYPD. They don't want any of their cops going to New York City doing any kind of enforcement because of the diaphragm law. Yonkers that's right. And, and I'm, I'm glad you, you referred to it as the diaphragm law because when it's portrayed in any news article or um, any publication, it's called the city's chokehold bill. Yeah. And while there is a component that addresses the chokehold, that's not the union. No union has an issue with the chokehold bill. 
our position is that that the city's chokehold bill is preempted by the state's chokehold bill, which enacted a new class C felony called aggravated strangulation, which addresses chokeholds by police officers. That, that's, not, that's not what the debate about. The debate is not about chokeholds. It's about what you correctly refer to, Bill Cannon, as the diaphragm bill. And that is especially troubling. Do you, as a former NYPD homicide sergeant, do you understand, what's your understanding of the diaphragm bill? Uh, what I understand is that if you put your knee on a perpetrator's back to get him cuffed, then you can be arrested for a misdemeanor. If you lay on top of the perpetrator, you could be arrested for a misdemeanor. The, the assholes that wrote this have no idea about anything to do with police work or getting in a fight for that matter. So uh, you are correct. Uh, it talks about compression of the diaphragm by way of a knee uh, or an elbow or sitting, right? So if in the course of a violent struggle and, and, and Mark, uh, you know, if you think back in your days, um, you know, enforcing the law, eventually, you know, eventually it's inevitable. You're gonna come across someone who is going to resist you and you're gonna get into a struggle and you're gonna get into a tussle. And in the, in the flow of those events, you may have to straddle that person's back or chest. If you do, you are guilty of this new diaphragm uh, uh, bill. And that's true, not only, you don't have to have any intent, right? It doesn't matter if Mark DeMeo meant to do this. It also doesn't matter if the person has any kind of an injury. On, under the law, this is a strict liability bill, meaning if it happens, you have a problem, you could be prosecuted. And you can imagine that cops everywhere, including as you, uh, Bill, you pointed out that Yonkers sent a memo to its membership. Also Westchester, also Westchester. So, so I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, uh, I'll tell you about that. So Westchester County uh, Police, Yonkers Police, to my understanding, New Rochelle Police, Mount Vernon Police, and Nassau County Police wow. have all similarly instructed their officers not to, to undertake enforcement action within the confines of the city of New York. Now, what that, what that can be interpreted to mean is, is that if you are committing a crime in a neighboring county, in a contiguous county, a physically contiguous county to the city of New York, all you gotta do is cross the threshold and cross the border into New York City. You are home free now, right? You've created this, this bill, the city council has created uh, a venerable no man's land for uh, someone committing a, a felony, a crime in a neighboring jurisdiction. So Think if you're on the border of New York City and Yonkers and you're a New York City cop, just drag your perp into Yonkers and put your knee in his back in Yonkers. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that, that 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 that's one. But if the bottom line is, Bill, if you if you think about this, if you think about this in the context of a cop who really wants to uh, do the right thing and not look the other way, right? And yeah. so, and the broader message here is, what is it that what is it that we want from our police? officer today. What, what, what do you want the cop to do? Do you want the cop to uh, enforce the law? 
Do you want the cop? I, and I understand they want a softer touch. And there's a variety of debates that we can have about whether or not uh, that's valid and or warranted. But above and beyond that, when you have a statute that's passed without proper consideration, without the, the legislators, in this case, the city council who drafted this bill, listening to experts in the area, right. listening to uh, the police department or the agency where this is gonna affect, listening to even uh, people from the union. Or academia, uh, even people in academia that are experts. Right, so, so when, you, when you dismiss any of those opinions and you formulate a law for the sole purpose of political gain, what you've really done is you, I, I believe you've hurt your constituents uh, more than you can possibly help. And, and I think that's evident in what you see happening in, this, in, the, in the violent spikes in crime. Everybody in this phone call has been in a, in a radio car. Everybody in this phone call has answered scary jobs when, when you have the moment that says, oh shit, I, I, this could be a real problem. And we have a common bond in that we understand the risk, we're willing to take the risk, and we're not afraid to go after the bad guy. Even if it means a risk to our own life and limb, what we are all afraid of, common ground, we were all afraid of getting in trouble for doing something wrong, to be punished for trying to do the right thing. And right. that is at the forefront of today's, it's gotta be the first thing on every cop's mind today. And what do you get when that happens? You get, well, you, you get, you get you what, get what cops, you see. You get cops afraid to act, afraid to roll around with somebody because- you know, but, but, I, but I have to say, they're not afraid of the bad guy. They're afraid of this legislation. Right, they're afraid exactly. of becoming the next pariah in, you know, on the front page of a newspaper. They're afraid of becoming labeled as the bad guy. You know, three months, three, four months ago, the cops were being held, cops, firefighters, EMS, were being categorized in with the nurses and the doctors. Hey, our heroes, you're on the front lines for us. All of a sudden, if you're a cop, you might as well say you're an Al-Qaeda. In fact, right, you, right, you right. might not be as unpopular. Worse, yeah. It's 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 beyond uh, dystopian. It really Basically, is. The New York City they created a sanctuary city again, but this time with uh, with law enforcement. Because if you're doing some, uh, if you're committing a crime in Yonkers, all you know is you got to get over the border, and you know they're not going to come after you. How frightening is that? You know, I have some statistics also. Murder is up 24% for the year. Burglary, 45%. GLA, 60%. Shooting victims, 77.5%. Shooting incidents, 68.6%. If this was the days of real Comstat when they held everyone accountable, COs, committee officers would be getting transferred all over the city. But there's an elephant in the room. And what is that? What's the elephant in the room? that the big bosses still want you to do your job even under these intolerable laws, intolerable circumstances. Well, not all of them, Billy. It's interesting where you, you, you recently had a very interesting moment that was captured on video and I'm not sure how it was released, but um, the New York Post published a, a, a portion of a ComStat meeting which has gotten all kinds of controversy. And you had chiefs, 
you know, you had stars, one star, two star, arguing amongst each other. It was and, a much argument, though. You're right, Mark. You're right because it, look, the the NYPD is a is a paramilitary organization, and you know, the higher the rank, and and the harder it is to argue. But I've never seen that. I've never seen. Um, I mean, you know, the kind of the kind of exchange that took place uh, in that meeting, it was unique uh, in my experience. In that, you have you have real problematic um, uh, interpretation of what it is that the cops are afraid of, right? At the top, it's being spin. Uh, the, the spin is that well, the cops are laying down. Uh, there are people like Eric Adams who are accusing the NYPD of laying down, of laying back. Yeah, he laid down for 20 years. When it was, he, just, he didn't do anything. So who is he to say cops are laying down? He recognizes it. Yeah. He, <laughs> yeah, he recognizes what laying down is. Wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I was the only one who was doing that. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I was the only guy who laid down. <laughs> Not doing that. Doing what ball <laughs> you know, guys have, you know? It's, it's, uh, it's an interesting. It's an interesting thing. It wasn't much of an argument, and uh, you mentioned the chiefs and the stars, and that was a moment there to have a conversation. You know, and maybe that conversation was had in the back room. Maybe that wasn't the appropriate place for a conversation. But um, the fact that we're still doing Comstat, or some version of Comstat where it requires you to, uh, or somebody's going to scold you. I mean, Comstat should be basically a meeting right now to how to cover your ass and how to not get locked up and an information about what's going on, which laws are out there. And uh, we're going to get back to you later. But in the meantime, just chill out, <laughs> you know, because it's, it's it's this idea that you have these people that are, um, you know, in political positions still trying to pretend like we're, we're going to do police work as usual is absurd. Mark, you know, it's interesting that you talk about uh, an ending to Comstat. My, my union actually um, called for that. Uh, publicly in, in, a, in a Twitter message, um, the CEA called for the end of Comstat, uh, not because he's telling the, his, his, his um, people not to produce, but because um, this is not the time to essentially yell at police commanders for not getting the job done when in fact those commanders and their subordinates' hands are tied by crazy legislation such as this. And so he called for the end of CompStat. Of course, they didn't end CompStat. Um, I had the privilege of attending the first CompStat back post COVID a couple of weeks ago. Um, I sat there with the union president and I observed, uh, I was an invited observer and um, it seemed, you know, uh, a lot warmer and fuzzier, at least that that meeting did, than what I've, you know, what I've been made aware of happened historically. But then we had the new one, which was the, the one we're talking about, where the chiefs got into this whole debate about whether the cops are afraid. And it seems like we're back to business as usual. And one of the things that uh, um, Comstat does is although they'll never ever admit that there's a quota, it implies um, not that there's a quota. What did, Bill? What did they used to call it nowadays? A productivity expectation. Yeah, yeah expectations. Yes, exactly. Right? Yeah, expectations. Yeah. So, and the thing is, the detectives, 
are, are, are really doing an incredible job. The detectives have been closing out all kinds of cases. So the response that, that um, I know the DEA has had is if we're laying down on the job, how are we making all these really great, all these high profile shootings that have, have gotten um, uh, a lot of press. Uh, I believe there was a six year old child walking with her father. That case was closed. The case where there was a, um, uh, a tech uh, exec, a young, uh, a young uh, tech executive who was like dismembered. They made a collar in that case. I mean, right. record time, incredible police work by New York City police detectives. You know, so well, Louis, Louis, it's always the patrol that catches all the shit. Yeah. They're the ones that are responding to in progress jobs on the street. And they got to roll around with these jailhouse jacks. Some of them that just got out of Rikers that were and, um, pumping iron and some from upstate that Cuomo let go. You know, they got to roll around with these guys and now they have to worry about putting a knee in their back. And they, they, they've never been more emboldened either. The, right. the, 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 you know, and it's, and it goes back. I mean, this is a trend that's been going on. I don't know if you guys remember when those cops got doused with the water. Oh yeah. yeah. Right. I, when I saw that, I was, I was really cringing. I really was because look, um, I don't know what, I don't know what purpose that could possibly serve other than to humiliate a, a cop in uniform, right? So when you talk about, there's all talk about, well, the protesters have a right to protest. Okay, that's fine. Protesters can get, if, if you wanna put a piece of oak tag and nail it to a stick and stand up and hold the sign up and chant something, fine. But when you start talking about, you know, uh, blowing up police cars, Molotov cocktails, um, destruction of property, uh, th that's got nothing to do with protest. That's got nothing to do with the First Amendment. We just had um, one of our uh, guests recently, he had a four-pronged thing that he talked about, and it was about holding the line. Who was that, Bill? Oh, Somebody's got to hold the line. Were you talking Herb about the, the DA from LA, Steve Cooley? No, I, I'm not sure. I forget now. But he was. The, it was a four pronged thing, and the last thing was uh, you got to hold the line. So right now the detective bureau is holding the line because those are things that happen after the fact, and that is the direction it seems like the police department is probably going to go in, where we'd be just responding, responding to past crimes, past shootings. There was just a shooting last night, two uh, or Saturday night. Two teenagers playing basketball in Brooklyn got shot in the head, and the other one, they're, they're dead. The other one got shot in the leg, and this is a drive-by shooting. The guy gets out. I think it's a sunroof, or, and he's doing the drive-by shooting. So once again, we're in a, we're in a, a neighborhood that's uh, a minority neighborhood. It's people of color, and, um, you know, for all this Black Lives Matter that's going on, these numbers are spiking. All the people that are dying are black people. There's a couple of Spanish people in there, but nobody seems to give it. They don't seem to, that doesn't seem to bother them. It, it's a sad, it's a really sad state of affairs. When you think about the, the, this idea that no, nobody cares about those people because those are the victims of, that's an exact, it's an exact, it's an exact illustration of what I was just talking about, right? So the city council thinks they're doing some kind of good by passing this reckless legislation and so who are you doing good for? If you're supposed to be protecting your constituents 
and your constituents are getting shot and killed because implicitly one way or another, the cops are afraid to respond because they don't want to engage because they don't want to get arrested. Not because they're afraid of the perp, because they don't want to get arrested. Yeah, but also- the result is, is death on the street? Lou, that's exactly so much that the cops are afraid to engage. It's the perps aren't afraid to commit crimes. Oh, absolutely. So that's the problem. A, sh a drive-by shooting like that, under normal circumstances, you go back not even a year, that's probably not going to happen. That's not the way it's going to go down if it's a gang thing. You right. got to get more creative. But now they don't care. Right. They don't care because they know the cops are not going to do anything. They're not going to be able to do anything. And it's just the sentiment that's in the air that it's a free-for-all. You know, they also took they also took the lions out of the jungle. They took the all every anti-crime unit and put them in uniform. That's oh, the guys that are getting yeah, the guns. Yeah. And then they let the lions out of the jail. <laughs> yeah, no, but those are the guys that were getting the guns. They get the street people that uh that that got out of prison that had some work in the street that somebody else was uh taking care of while they were locked up, and now they they're back out unexpectedly, and it's like yo, this this is you know, this is my corner. I'm back. Yeah. And then that guy doesn't want to give it up. So now you're going to have all these different turf wars for people that should have been away for a while. It's and, a and, and, and who suffers but the good people who live in those neighborhoods? And, and make no mistake, you know, we all agree that most of the people who live in those neighborhoods are good people and they don't want this. This is the last thing they want. When I see the, the, the protest that Bill mentioned to me uh, about today that happened over the weekend and uh, the shooting that I just mentioned, I think to myself, wouldn't it be better to put all hands on deck and let's just make sure that we, uh, we have as much, many people out um, switching bodies on these protests that seem to be going on every single day, all night, uh, keep fresh bodies out there, and let's stop fucking... Let's stop, let's stop doing everything else. Let's just Listen, stop doing everything else. But the, but the mandate is not, that's, that's wonderful normal thinking. Unfortunately, there is no normal thinking going on at the moment. Let me give you a case in point. I represented one of my clients, a police captain, okay? We have video of not a protest, but a bona fide riot. During said riot, we have video, of course, this is not the video CCRB showed us. We had our own, thank God. We have a video where my, my client, my captain gets hit in the face with a brick. He gets hit in the face with a brick and this is going back several weeks to this, to this moment. He has an outline of a brick on the side of his face, okay? And we may, we know for the record that he still had this outline of the brick. And then we showed them a video of him getting hit with the brick. At that point, he gets a shield and he starts pushing back. We spent two and a half hours talking about why he was using the shield to push back protesters. Now, this is subsequent. This is after they knew he got hit with a brick. And even better, they got him on video with his voice very elevated and using and saying, get the F back, right? He gets, he, he's like, uh, he goes, are you, are you effing kidding me? And he says, get the, get the F back. We spent 
I can't tell you how many questions and answers. So did you curse at these people? That, that, that This is what they're worried about, right? His voice was so amped up from the adrenaline of the moment, from the, from the fight or flight mode that he was in. The man had just got struck with a brick. He thought he was going to die. You know, fight or flight, adrenaline is amped up. His voice was so high pitched that he couldn't even identify his own voice on the, on the video, right? And, and I, I say that to illustrate the point that for some reason, these folks think that cops are not human beings, that cops are not subject to adrenaline, that cops are not subject to, you know, fight or flight. They think they're they fucking some kind of machine. They say think again, superheroes, that they don't feel pain. Right. So, so now we're going we're gonna to spend time and resources. We're going to have a CCRB investigator. We're gonna have a CCRB manager. We're gonna have a, a, a union attorney and we're gonna have a union representative and we're gonna have the subject. You have five people in the room, right? To spend two and a half hours of taxpayer money explaining why after you got hit with a brick, you might've used the police shield, which by the way, we noted for the record is the lowest possible level of force he could have used. Oh, that's right. Right? So there is no lower level than simply Going pushing beat with back, a shield right. and pushing yeah. back. Yeah. So we talk about that and we talk about why did, did you actually curse in that scenario? Have you guys listened to some of the language that's used in these so-called protests? Have well, you yeah, heard well, some of just, the things? Well, let me just interject something here too. So much of this is political because then Cuomo sends Letitia James to do a 57 page report on the NYPD's response so the, they call them protests, we call them riots. It's a hit job on the NYPD. So Cuomo is no friend of the police either. It seems like according to your political persuasion, if you're a certain persuasion, you see peaceful protests. If you have a half a head on your shoulder, you see riots. And billions of dollars of damage tells you there were riots. Well, you know, Bill, and, and I, I couldn't agree with you more. What was most telling to me is when the when the George Floyd um, uh, uh, event happened and then Minneapolis broke into riots, right? And I'll never forget, I'm watching MSNBC that night. And I, I, I'm pretty sure, because there's so many, I, I, I've, I've lost track, it's all kind of a, of a foggy blur, but I believe that they, they took a precinct and they burned it to the point that the that, that the the cops abandoned ship. They were like, okay, we're out. Like they, they let them have the. Am I right? Was that Minneapolis? Or was that Atlanta? Well, or Seattle? Oh, no, that was Atlanta. That was Atlanta. Yeah. So while that's happening, right? So so we have information that you know the 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 crawl. You know, like the the news crawl talks about what's going on. That the police have abandoned the precinct. They're burning a the building down. And the reporter said, while the burning building is behind the reporter. He says, and for overall, the protests are peaceful. I I'm know, sitting I know. there it's going, it's am, I, am I not watching the same thing? I know. Yeah, that's, a famous, that's a famous clip right there. I mean, you know, so if, and, and, if, and that has gotten little to no um, response or attention by way of the, why doesn't the rest of the media call that out and say, hold on a second. Three cops standing in front of a burning police station. Three federal agents in Seattle are like blinded by a laser. Did you know that? So I know that because I follow it, but I can tell you in the narrative, it's got no airplay. 
Right. None. Exactly. Right. Well, you know what else has gotten no airplay? All the young victims of crimes committed by these emboldened criminals yes. who are now shooting at will. And this is not unique to the New York City. This is Chicago. This is LA. This is Seattle. This is Portland. You know, and, and so, and for some reason, this narrative is still the popular narrative. And, you know, I, I just, I don't understand, you know, for the people who want to live in peace, look, at the end of the day, right, we were all part of government. But to me, government's prime role is to allow me to live my life in peace. Because other than that, you know, and, and me living my life in peace, that peace is provided by police. That peace is provided by uh, uh, the men and women in blue, right? The, the, the so-called thin blue line. The thin blue line has never been more tested than now. There's now a, not in my memory. There's a lot of different levels. You have uh, some some states are, look at what they did uh, in Chicago when they took those uh, three, um, they, they found, they got, they'd send in the feds, but they got three, three people off of, uh, you know, gun charges and they found, they got them, they pulled them off out of their houses and stuff like that. And it seems like uh, that was okay. You know what I'm saying? So, I, I just don't understand, like, I don't understand any of it. I don't understand what the point is because, you know, you have so many different levels. Some people want to talk about different type of policing, a softer touch overall. And some people want to abolish the police altogether. Some people want to downside. I, I don't get it. I, I don't understand. Nobody knows what they want, really. Well, let me, let me ask this question. If they don't want the police to do anything at these riots, pull them away. Don't have don't have them go there. Why are they shooting? Yeah. If they're not well, there to keep the a people. A lot of it is to protect the federal buildings because. Well, well, that's the feds. I'm talking about the regular police. Well, but. They they all, to, did you see the Chicago they, police getting pelted with, with rocks and with fireworks? And what is it, why are they there? Listen, and, and, and it's happening in New York City. You know, we, we, have, we have evidence that these people, uh, these so called protesters, have been filling up uh, Poland spring bottles with concrete and they've been uh, getting pieces of brick and all kinds of different makeshift weapons. And they, what they do is they, is they, they place them strategically along the so-called protest route. Right. Right. And so that they're handy and they're a bit now, and they're pretty good about hiding. You know, sometimes the, the, the NYPD finds them and, and a lot of times they don't. And, and a lot of times the way they find them is when they start getting pelted with these things. And so, you know, if you saw what happened uh, in New York City on Saturday night, I don't know if you saw the, the coverage. Um, in Chinatown, uh, a little, little, you mean? Yeah, it was basically, it was basically uh, there. And then it, it you know, it, it was a moving, it was a moving protest, right? Right. And, and, they're, and they're caving in, uh, you know, windows of police vans and they're, they're burning police vans and and that I don't I don't understand. Look, I'm all about the First Amendment. I don't get what that has to do with the First Amendment or free speech. And all fair, that, some of those so some of those vans needed to get burned down, bro. They were in bad shape. <laughs> <laughs> so you get, hey, look, give them a way, what, what what are the marching orders for the for the captains when they come upon? They have a captain that has say two and, and twenty or two and twenty five. 
What are his orders in responding to these riots? It's a great question. You know what the orders are? The same that they were before this silly mandate, which is, you know, take control, clear the street, do your job. Now, in light of those orders remaining the same, but now under the shadow of this ridiculous law that was signed by the mayor, right? You tell me, you're a sergeant, I'm the captain, we respond, right? I tell you, look, Bill, do the best you can. Let's protect life and property. Look out for each other. I'll see you on the other side. There's what no else are you going to do? There's no leadership. There's no direction. Well, I mean, I mean, other than that, what what could what direction could they possibly be asked to give? You know, the leadership doesn't come from the captain. It doesn't come from the police chief. It comes from the chief executive of the city of New York and his and his colleagues over at the city council. So if the direction from the chief executive of the city of New York, i.e. the mayor and or the governor is, when the message is I stand with the protesters or this is a healthy expression, yes, you take that information and do with it what you will, right? So what happens? The cop is torn. The cop wants to do the right thing. The cop wants to protect life and property. The cop wants to protect the good people who live in that area who are being who are, who are suffering through this absolute um, anarchy, criminal criminal activity, right? Imagine living on those blocks and listening to this stuff. Well, I mean, you know, so at what point does the needs of those, of those folks, of the good people who are being victimized by all this nonsense, at what point do those needs outweigh the needs of these other folks to lash out and, and quote unquote protest? Well, I don't know if you saw it. When does that, when does in that? Seattle, in Seattle last night, a guy pointed uh, an AK-47 at someone driving their car and the guy shot and killed him, the, the guy in his own car. He called the precinct and said, look, a guy pointed a rifle at me. He goes, I shot him. And they, they, they didn't charge him. And the guy was an he was an Antifa. They did they did or they did not. They did not charge the civilian who shot the Antifa guy. Not yet. Well, th those are you, you, you know that that's interesting that Mark says not yet, because depending on how much political pressure is brought to bear, I think that is going to determine the not yet, well, and, and a, not necessarily the merits. He was a white kid. Well, you know what? The demographics of all these Antifa are white. That's the irony of it all. You see white white kids yelling at black cops that they're uh, the Black Lives Matter. They, you know, they didn't get their participation trophy. So this is it. This is their participation trophy. There's a lot of angry. This it reminds me of Fight Club in a way. It, it's like a real life Fight Club where the all there's all these uh, people that are. Um, you know, just the, the low self-esteem, um, angry at the world, for whatever reason, this is their moment right now. And, you know, at the same time, we have, um, you know, we're, we're picking up pieces. There's a, a lot of feds coming in and making arrests on a daily basis, but it's all after the fact. And then you have these neighborhoods like, you know, Manhattan is, uh, they're bailing out in droves. Every apartment's up for sale, every single one. Now, so, this is so I tell you, Mark, it, 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 true words were never spoken. My wife is a, is, a, is a realtor in Westchester. 
and has never been busier. People are buying houses in the outlying suburbs, unseen, sight unseen, and they're going into bidding wars. So Bill Cannon, you want to sell a house, your, your, your nice house in Westchester. Now's the time, man. Well, I'm, happy, I'm happy in Westchester. You know, I just want to, I want to bring something up that we had, that I thought was going to be the topic of this whole show. And I want to bring up what, what Monaghan actually said, Chief Monaghan, what he said. And I know you have to be careful talking because you represent him. And, uh, he's part of the captain's union. But I, th I thought what he said was so out of line with everything, like how that the cops should still be gung. It was almost like a Newt Rockney speech that the team wasn't hearing. The team wasn't listening to this, you know, rah, rah, rah speech. Because they, they, they were like, wait a minute, our balls are in a fucking vice. And you want us to take action when we could be arrested. Like, that's Listen, that's the definition of tone deaf. Yeah. You know, one day you got hit in the head. And because of that one day you, you got through your hit in the head, you think, oh, everybody could do it. Go out again tomorrow. I Go. was brave. Cops are the New York City cops are the bravest cops in the world. Do but another 12 hours. They need tomorrow. the tools to do their job, you know? I you know what? You can't say nothing, uh, a little, but I just thought he cut her off too short. I would have, I would have listened to her. She's a chief, um, and have have a discussion. Maybe that wasn't the right place to have it. Maybe, but I think they wanted to have it there, so it's on the record, so we can find out exactly what's happening. So this idea that four prosecutors, or I talked to all the prosecutors, and they said they're not going to uh, prosecute it. I wouldn't trust that. How ridiculous was that? How ridiculous was that? So unless and until you get something like that in writing, it really is of no moment because depending on the political climate at the time an event occurs, the a prosecutor at the end of the day, the district attorney in any given county, is a guy, a gal who runs for election. Right. Right? So they are elected district attorneys. To the extent that you're elected, you're a politician. To right. the extent that you're a politician, politics come into the decision. Sad as it may be, it's a reality that we all have to live with. In and they mind, would never commit that to writing. And Louis, in my mind, four out of the five are activists. So, you know, they're not, they're not friendly to cops. They don't, not cop lovers, any of them. Well, that's an well, interesting aspect too, because uh, you're an attorney. And then you see a lot of these district attorneys for particular cities all over the country in these, uh, you know, these blue states. They all seem to be uh, activists and radicals, and they got they became prosecutors, but they don't want to prosecute. Only cops. Well, I mean, it depends. If you look at the if you look at the dynamics, for example, I thought what happened in Atlanta was particularly atrocious, and I'm talking about the the shooting involving the the taser, right? right? Where they decided to charge the the, the cop. Uh, I believe they charged him with with murder and, and murder in the first degree in that case, because they said that a taser is not a deadly weapon. But that same district attorney in a press conference one week earlier, when two Atlanta cops were fired for using a taser on protesters, there were two kids sitting in a car and those Atlanta cops tased those kids in the car. And that same district attorney went on the record and said that they had no right using a deadly weapon yeah. on protesters. I think he so, missed so you I think he did the deadly weapon course in law school. He missed school that day, you know? No, I, I don't think he missed school that day. I think he likes to apply the law as it politically fits his needs. Yeah. Because in the hands of a cop, 
the taser is a deadly weapon. Right. In the hands of a perpetrator shooting said cop, it's not. The only problem is that the Atlanta statute spells out that it in fact is a deadly weapon. So you can't have it both ways, right? right? Exactly. And that district attorney, I believe, is up for re-election, which is an example of a district attorney acting for political gain as opposed to the merits of a given case. Right. Well, you know, you see, you mentioned the political and the politics involved in all of it. And um, for example, Kamala Harris. Now, it's uh, it seems that she took that the, the district attorney um, job as a as a as a stepping stone for her political career. So now you're saying and we see across the country that a lot of these DAs are using this for a political platform. Uh, to, to further their political career. And then you go one step further, and then you have all the heads of a police department that instead of pulling in the, the, the crew and saying, you know what, this administration's crazy. I'm willing to risk my job right now, but we got to stick together. We got to enforce the law. We got we to gotta crack down on this. But it's another political position. So you have somebody who's looking further than their job that they have right now you know what I'm saying? Protecting their future instead of doing what you're supposed to be doing now. Oh, it's even like when Monaghan said, that's why there's so many guns out there. There's so many guns out there because you took anti-crime and disbanded them. That's one of the reasons. And then the, the diaphragm law and then releasing prisoners from upstate and then emptying Rikers. That's why there's so many guns out there. I sound like Crazy Eddie. These things are insane. <laughs> the prices are <laughs> insane. Does your listening audience know who Crazy Eddie is, Billy? They probably don't. You know, I'm showing my age, right? It was, it was, it was an electronic store. <laughs> and this guy was always like, Crazy Eddie, or somebody was crazy. Like, right, the only person uh, that has an older audience than, uh, than us is yeah. uh, Steve Deshemi. The Shami has all the blue head ladies, man. They were all off fans for a week. Oh, they love him, man. I told him that. He got a little insulted. He goes, Oh, there's some young girls, too. I go, Every woman that was watching us had blue hair and had false teeth. <laughs> oh, they're going to hate us now. You know what? It seems like, it, and the job has always worked like that. Uh, you know, when they when we, we, we left that scooter chart thing, it, you know, it seemed like everything was. What's good for me? How many summers do you need so I can have the weekends off because I got to coach baseball? Everything became what's good for me, and it goes all the way up to the top. And you got these people there, and they're worried about their future. I don't know why. You got fucking 30 years on this job already. Why not just go off into the sunset? Another freaking career off. To pat yourself on the back even more? Do you know what I'm saying? Otherwise, you got to leave with some pride, man. You got to leave with, you know. It's time to go. It really, I mean, it, it's unfortunate, but history seems to be repeating itself. And we're getting back to, um, you know, what I remember being a cop in the 80s when we were really reactive. We weren't yeah. proactive at all. And um, proactive is, is I, I believe proactive policing is, is something of, uh, uh, of a bygone era if we continue along this path. Uh, because... Who in their right mind is gonna is is gonna um, go above and beyond to be proactive when there's no support from the top? There's no exactly. guidance from the top. Yeah, you know, I don't know if you saw Louis, but when De Blasio said 
We emptied Rikers. We emptied upstate. That's why we're so safe. Did you hear him say that? I was like, this guy is a retard. <laughs> I, I didn't hear him say that, but I read about it. I mean, I, I it, yeah, look, he said that in a press conference. Rikers is empty. That's why we're so safe. <laughs> what he meant to say was the corrections officers in Rikers Island are a lot more safe. Yeah, that's safe because there's no one there. Yeah. I mean, I almost couldn't believe he said it. It was that it's safer now. Oh my God. Because all the so crazy stupid. all the crazies are back out in the street. And EDPs, the EDPs are like they're like fruit. They're all over the place now, you know? Have it's you have you either of you guys ventured into New York City of late? Every day. I was just there today. I drove I mean, my wife in. Not only do I bring my nine, I bring an extra clip. I work in the city. <laughs> So I mean, do you feel do you feel like I mean in your own in your own mind, do you feel a different vibe? Yeah, I, I feel a, a little bit of tension in the air, but that's also because of the virus. But I just worry about a pop-up demonstration that I'm gonna have to use my Acura and have about four people on my hood as I hit the pedal to the metal, you know? Well, I go in every day. <laughs> One thing I noticed is that um, there's a lot more homeless. And a lot more people, like, for example, you know, I work on 2nd Avenue. If you make your way up to 3rd Avenue in Midtown, now that's more of a commercial district. You, uh, it's not so residential. There are some buildings between 3rd and Lex. Park is obviously, uh, you have a lot of residential. But that Avenue, 3rd and Lex, where there's a lot of office buildings, it just seems like there's just... Uh, and the irony is, you know, they moved all the restaurants, uh, God bless them, because they're trying to make money, but they moved this, they have to have their seating literally out in the street. Right. So what used to be a parking spot is now the dining area. And I'm talking about not even 20 feet away, there's three people. One of them is sleeping. Uh, they got a radio. They're all on drugs at different levels, but... It's just intimidating, but you're eating literally like you're sipping on, you're trying to make normal when it's, it's insane. It's insane that you're trying to make like crazy. Eddie. <laughs> and, and that, and that's not, I mean, if you think about that, right, you think about that dynamic, that's not fair to anybody. That's not fair to the homeless person. That's not fair to the business owner. It's not fair to the person trying to, trying to be, uh, have a conversation. It's not fair to anybody. I'm not trying to put the homeless people down. What I'm, I think we should build a building somewhere. Give them Roosevelt Island, all those buildings that are there. Give those people apartments in the city. No, Mark. Give them, like, give them Lincoln Center. <laughs> give them a nice place to sleep. That great lawn. You know what's funny is about the the way they gave up. You know, they put that Black Lives Matter right in front of the Trump Tower. Put it in Central Park on the Great Lawn. Let them send about. Let them set up their tents over there. You know how much space that is? You know how many homeless people could live comfortably there? Yeah. But they won't because that's us. That's ours. What are you talking about? You can't do that. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't. I, um, all I know is that uh, when they had the, the, um, the encampment at City Hall, which they just tried, you know, they, they cleaned out finally. Um, I saw that. Yeah, I saw them cleaning that up. It was a hammer. You know, did you know that there was a giant hammer and sickle painted in the middle of all that? I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, so there was a hammer and sickle painted, and it was less and less about protest and more and, and more and more about an encampment. But the interesting thing about when I say we're, you know, history is going to repeat itself, 
1980, oh, I don't know, 88, I used to work at City Hall. I, I was on the midnight palace guard d detail. We said your balls were dipped in butter, and that's that was, that's when it first started. Olive oil, olive oil, right? <laughs> olive oil. And, and and at the time, there was a homeless encampment under Mayor Koch, and they were there. And the reason we had a you had to have radio cars out because we didn't want them to to torch City Hall, right? And so we were we were always there and stationed there. But it's funny. So 1988, how many years ago? You know, 30 plus years later, 32 years later, it looked the same it was the same vibe it was the same you know the tents go up there's people cooking there's, uh, there's it, it, it and to what end i mean what does anybody accomplish with, by not doing what they're supposed to do in terms of enforcement housing the homeless doing all these things i mean it's repetitive what, what is the point listen it's repetitive my dad God bless him. I loved him. Because I don't. He was, um, he was a radical. You know, he came here in 1964 from Dominican Republic. I don't know how he got involved. It was probably City College. They turned him. And he was part of the all these different BLA and all these different movements that were going on at the time. And he got followed by the feds. And it messed up his, um, his earning opportunities. A college graduate couldn't get a better job. Because it's, you know, people don't realize this. But while all this is going on, uh, you know, these people that are, are getting locked up and, and getting on, they're getting on lists. And there's, there's going to come a time. And if, if in November, Trump wins again, all these people, they're not going to be forgotten. And they're all going to be on these lists. They're all not going to be employable or for, for what they're educated for. Because a lot of these people are teachers. I saw a list of uh, people that got locked up at one of these riots. Seattle, and, yeah, 13 out of 20 were teachers. So, you know, they, they don't realize, you know, I, I know you're emotional about, about, about a certain thing, but you're committing big crimes. And if you don't think that they're, um, they're keeping track and they know exactly who you are, hey, look at that guy, look at, you know what, when they, when they send in the, um, what do they call them, stormtroopers, when they send them in, the DHS. That's what, that, that's what uh, Pelosi yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the funny thing, a couple of those people, they got released a couple of hours later. And in my head, I first started thinking about, well, that's weird. And then I thought, no, it's not weird at all. Because if I have you doing an arson and I show you a photo, I said, listen, you recognize this guy? And look at this. This is another picture of you with your mask off, but we identified your shirt, your shoes, everything. And look at you throwing that Molotov cock. Now, I got you. I said, you go out there and you report to me every single thing that's going on every single day, or we're going to pull you in for this arson. And that, that's the way they work. That's interesting. That's well, it's interesting. They, they charge, did, you see, did you see those lawyers that, that, um, that got charged in the Eastern District with torching the, uh, throwing a Molotov cocktail? Yeah, that was cocktail? unbelievable. Not the, yeah, yeah. The I mean, you're talking about people who have real, um, uh, you know, high-earning uh, jobs, right? Good educations. And something drove those people to the point. Emotions, emotions. You got to be able to control your he, emotions. He can be emotional in federal prison for ten years. Oh, he will be. Get awesome. Oh, he will be. You know, and so you think about that, and and you think about what these people are willing to put on the line to make a point. But my question is, I still don't understand, and maybe someone can educate me. What is the point? 
What point is it that they're trying to make? I don't know. Because I mean, do you, what do you do? You turn around. You want to you want to torch every police car because you don't want the police to come anymore. You want that. You want to. So there's there's all kinds of things. Defund the police. You know. Um, you know what? Completely remove the police. I mean. I think, I think you're trying to uh, make sense out of uh, anarchy, and there's people that have that in their blood. We see it. It's evident. It's out there right now. It's in front of us every single day. And anarchy doesn't have a, a result. It doesn't have an end game. It's just a question of destroying. It's a question of uh, turning up as much as we can, destroying as much as possible. And I was gonna... a lot of it is, uh, is, uh, is, is hell bent on, you know? And then you got Marxists in the middle of all this. And that's what I was mentioning about, uh, you know, people that get caught up in this, whether they get caught up in this in school or whether it's in their family, um, whether they're turning against their parents, a lot of it has to do with like, look at, look at the way I turned out. You know what I'm saying? Uh, a law and order type of guy. Um, and that's because of what I saw. Now you have the opposite of somebody who's, you know, you got two parents in law and order, whatever, and you turned out to be this person who wants to do the, the same, the exact opposite. Yeah. I was going to apply to be a violence interrupter in my old precinct in the two I had the rip unit. I want to see if I could maybe be like a social worker now. And I'll say, could I apply for that violence interrupted job? <laughs> Listen, is there, is, is there such a job? Yeah, there, there is. Yeah. They want these social workers to go out on corners and discourage people from having, you know, shooting their guns. You know? and who's going to protect the social workers? They're violence interrupters. They must know how to interrupt the violence. I don't know. This yeah, that's another a liberal thing. idea. I, listen, I'm not against people trying to come up with other strategies. That's like evolution. You know what I'm saying? You don't want to block like evolution, but um, at the same time, you got to do it in piecemeal. Right now, I'm, you know, in the academy, I work uh, as the uh, as an actor, and we do um, on um, how to handle mental illness. So it was supposed to be a three phase thing. You were supposed to uh, take a lesson, get uh, view scenarios, and then at some point there was going to be a clinician that rides around in the car with you. And what happened was I, that 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 third part never came into fruition. Uh, I don't know why. Maybe it was liability. They couldn't figure out who was responsible. God forbid something happens. But it was going to be like the EDP car. So that part, that element never came into fruition. But these programs and these ideas, they've been around for a while. It's not something new. They wanted to get the police um, to not have to deal with EDPs, homeless, um, car stops would be another thing to, to eliminate as well. I mean, we have enough resources now. We don't have to do car stops. So we're basically kind of sort of like closing in on what they want uh, the police to do. Which is fine. I mean, it's your police department. It's you know, your fair dollar. It's, it's really not fine. Let me just give you an example. I take the Taconic Parkway a lot, right? There's these guys that take these, these crotch rockets from the Bronx. And the, the, these guys do like 120 miles an hour on the Taconic. If there were no troopers to, to pull these guys over every once in a while, and the way to get them is when they pull over. That's when you get them. Oh, you attract... 20 miles ago doing Mach 1. You know, there has to be law and order on the highways. There has to be law and order on the streets. You could also, you could get their tags and send them summonses. 
and summonses, um, they work just as well. If you ask me, if you, if you got, you know, seven, eight hundred dollars worth of summonses and you can't register your bike anymore and or your yeah, bike. But a, a mover has to be personally served. That's the law. No, it doesn't. I get it. It, it I, does, I, unless it's issued by a camera. I get yeah. So, but you get to, you put those lines in the fucking highway. Attorney, will you back me up here? <laughs> no, I'm so saying I, I, I didn't states that utilize that line in the highway to tell if you're speeding. And I have a feeling like it's going to come here eventually. So you the know? only the only issue with with the uh, just to 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 uh, get to Billy's comment. You can you can get destroyed in fines with speeding cameras and but you, you won't get any points. In other words, but this is interesting, Bill. Somebody gets enough camera tickets and has unpaid um, tickets. Eventually, they get suspended for 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 open violation. They violations. just changed that law. Yeah, they just changed that law. You know, well, a car the other day with um, with a boot on it. And I'm thinking to myself, this because I read, the, I went out of my way to read the sign on there because you know it's it, parking's tough, and I don't want my car getting booted over just because I might have parked in the wrong spot. I would imagine that this this person had multiple summonses plus the one that they had for that one. That's why they got their car booted. But your car, your bike, whatever it is, you know what I'm saying? That's uh, you. It was $185 if you call within two hours. And another extra $185 if you got to go get your, if they have to take the boot off and tow it to the pound. This is New York City? Yeah, but, but that's oh, wow. besides the summonses that you owe. So wow. you owe a certain amount of summonses, whatever got that boot on your car, plus $185. And that's only if you can get to them within two hours. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, but they just changed the law saying they won't suspend your license for um, having multiple, you know, moving violations. Because okay, they so discriminatory against poor people i'm not aware of that that i uh that, that that's very interesting so it just changed like just very recently so they took out 511 i would have never made it yeah. as a cop right now so so 511 btl is is done it was repealed well they're saying they won't they won't suspend your license for unpaid tickets there goes all my edp medals my my, <laughs> my epd medals <laughs> Oh, you, you should do a lot of 511s, huh? I'm kidding, I'm kidding. That's funny. Oh, yeah, that's right. EPD, not EDP. Yeah, it's what you are. EPD is excellent police duty. God bless oh, that yeah. 511 column, man. So, so what I want to tell you guys is that um, uh, the five unions have, have gotten together in a, in, a, in a great show of, of uh, solidarity. And we got a um, we got a nice uh, TRO, uh, temporary restraining order, in the Southern District. Uh, Judge Catherine Polk Faila um, sided with us. We had a we we brought a case in the state court uh, because 50A, which was the release in, uh, of um, the repeal of 50A, said that they could release personnel records of uh, police officers and others, other law enforcement officers. And we have no problem with the general premise, but the law also included or did not address things like unsubstantiated, unfounded, exonerated. We feel it was gonna be used uh, as a weapon against police officers in this ongoing uh, anti-police climate. Uh, and when you look at even hairdressers or any other professions, none of that information is publicly available. In other words, uh, you got a complaint that was exonerated or unfounded, 
you get greater protection as a hairdresser than you do as a as a police officer. Yeah, so, but in fairness, if I got a bad haircut, I want to be able to report this person. Uh, well, you you can and 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 you will, but to the extent that you report the bad haircut or the sexual assault by the haircut or whatever the case may be, and it turns out that it was a BS allegation and you were and the haircut was exonerated, you don't get to read about that. Unlike the police bill, whereas right. they, they were just going to put throw in the kitchen sink. We took it to the state court. We got a stay. Well, the city removed it to the federal court, the Southern District, and we got a temporary restraining order because uh, essentially the, the, the city essentially had no argument to support why, for example, unfounded exonerated uh, complaints or complaints that are not yet complete. In other words, you got charges, uh, Detective DeMeo gets charges, but he still hasn't had his day in the trial room. And so you're basically being published as guilty before uh, you're even um, found to have been proven guilty. So we have a TRO in place. They can't put that stuff up now? Well, they're not supposed to, but interestingly enough, the CCRB released 81,000 documents and records to the New York Civil Liberties Union. Uh, and then coincidentally today, uh, I think it's called ProRepublica, some, some uh, website or some uh, um, news outlet has put in a searchable website where you can put in a name and see how many complaints and how many were substantiated. So let's say they put in, you know, Sergeant Bill Cannon, uh, total number of CCRB complaints, seven, substantiated two, which would tell you, uh, the public, that you have five uh, unsubstantiated, right? So we believe that's in direct um, contradiction to the judge's order. We, we will probably be back in court. We're gonna be back in court on August 18th for a preliminary injunction hearing on this issue to see if um, the judge will continue the, the order until we litigate it or, or what happens. We also anticipate uh, taking some legal action on the issue of this diaphragm bill, which is what, what we started this conversation with. And the diaphragm bill, we argue, and our position is that it is that law is preempted by state law in that the state, and a perfect example of this is um, when we talked about Yonkers and Nassau County, and they don't want to come into New York City, because in Yonkers, it's lawful to compress the diaphragm in the midst of an arrest. I mean, you know, here you have the strict liability. So you have city law superseding state law. And that just can't operate that way. So we anticipate going to court on that as well. And um, hopefully uh, we, get, we get a judge that, that um, understands uh, exactly what the gravity of this is and what the impact of this law is. And we believe it's unlawful and we're, we're hoping that- uh, Let me ask you one thing. With Even with say the chokehold law, if you're actually fighting for your life against the perpetrator, right? And you believe it's a life and death situation and you choke them and you, you know, like you tap them out like a UFC fighter. Is it, doesn't article 35 protect you? So, so we hope it does. We haven't had a test case. Certainly that would be a defense. Um, like in any other police homicide case, it would be investigated now under the new law it would be independently investigated, not by the county DA, but from by the New York State Attorney General is now going to investigate 
under this new law, every death in police custody, right? So in the course of that investigation, there would have to be some analysis as to whether or not Article 35 justified this particular level of force in this particular case. So, um, you know, do we see uh, a problem? Yeah, sure. The problem, the, 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 the really scary part is we haven't had a test case. Well, the, the, the we don't want Queens, a test case. The cop in Queens got arrested on June 26th for fighting with a career criminal. Correct. And he, he got arrested. Who, who said career criminal went out and, and committed a, a crime, I think I want to say within two weeks, that made the news. I forget what that guy did. Right, right. Um, but he did something pretty bad. So look, um, all the unions have very uh, uh, aggressive and strident defense counsel, and he is going to get the uh, best possible defense. And the question becomes, you know, in New York City, it's interesting the way they do things, right? New York City can avoid a jury trial simply by lowering a crime from an A misdemeanor to a B misdemeanor. And under New York City law, you're not entitled to a jury with a B misdemeanor and, you're, and you just get a bench trial. So, you know, and, and the DAs do that if they think a jury is going to side with, the, you know, uh, in other words, in a case where the, the DA thinks it's going to, they're going to uh, lose, that's one of the, that's one of the things that they can, that's one of the tools at their disposal. So that case is early on. Uh, you know, we don't know what the posture is yet. And that's a, that's a, a Queens case, right? Melinda Katz. And, um, you know, we're all going to follow it very carefully. Yeah. Right. Uh, for that cop, would you ever want to put your hands on anyone ever again? Or would you ever well, want to put your hands on anyone ever again? That, 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 that's, therein lies the problem. That, that's it. That's the elephant in the room. Right. If, a, if the cops are, if the cops are afraid of being arrested because they're gonna put their hands on somebody, I, it's a human reaction to say, you know what? I'll take a report after the fact. Right. Let me ask you a question because you mentioned something interesting. You mentioned about uh, depending on who the judge is. So, you know, I also brought up the fact that it seems like a lot of district attorneys across the country, you know, in these blue states uh, and, and cities that they're, uh, you know, radicals, you know? They're using this as a stepping stone for their political careers. Uh, they're not really interested in prosecuting, you know, and helping the communities. So now, how far does that go up? Like, that you're over here saying, I hope we get the right judge. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, it, goes, it, it goes all the way up to the, to the legislature, right? I mean, if you, if you think about it where, it, where does it end? It keeps going up. If you think about, you know, who our representatives are and, and, what is it that they espouse? Do they do, do they really represent what you, Mark DeMeo, want? Right? Because they're your elected official. Are they really representing you? Reasonable is a key word. You know, I think I think reasonable is gaining popularity. I think the reason why our show is is so popular is because we're reasonable. You know, we're willing to call a spade a spade, but at the same time, it's like we still remember or have a grip of like what reality is or what it used to be. And it seems to me like that that's being lost. It, it, we don't even, re, some people don't even remember like, and it's only like three or four months ago, what common sense is, what reasonable is. And reasonable, I think is what people are latching onto right now. Uh, the, the reasonable people, they would just wanna see reasonable, uh, you know, let's just be reasonable here. And this, this law is not reasonable. No. 
and, and and interestingly enough, society is in such a fog of unreasonableness that it results in laws like this being passed. Well, and and go ahead, Mark. I said a lot of it has to do with just you know the fact that you know that when they mentioned the silent majority and they mentioned uh, you know people who still have to go to work today, even if it's in your your living room, whatever you made up in your house for you to do your job, even though you're not going into your office anymore. You own a piece of, you, know, you own a house, you own you, it's a property, you invested in the community. You know what I'm saying? What we have right now, and we're seeing right now is all the people that don't have that. Because anybody who does, even the people in, the, in Seattle that was behind Chaz, they were freaking out. It's like, I got a house here, I live here. And now I'm oh. in fucking stupid six block radius with all these freaking idiots running around, and I don't want them here. My business is here. But you know, so Mark, the electorate, the electorate in Seattle is just as nuts as their politicians, and that's why they elect them. And New York City, our electorate in the city, is electing some boobs too. Well, it all goes about how it affects you. There was a reporter, and he was talking about how the riots were peaceful, and then all of a sudden they burned down his building where he lived. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, enough is enough. Timing you know? would be good if that reporter got hit in the head with a brick as he's doing the report, you know. But that, that really, it really happened. The guy, the guy uh, posted a tweet that uh, you know, this is uh they're not they're not uh, these rioters are peaceful. I've been out there, and then they burned his house, his his apartment <laughs> building down, and then he was like, Enough is enough. And the same thing happens with uh, you know, with the celebrities. In Beverly Hills, yeah. you know, they're all donating money to BLM and all this other shit. And then before you know it, they want to come into Beverly Hills. And they're like, no, 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 no. no. Wait, gotta... wait a minute. Can I have my money back? <laughs> Listen, you're not getting in their house. No. You don't think so, but... They got SEAL Team 6 they hired. Yeah. That's what the two people thought that, uh, you know, they, that they, they unfortunately had the mayor or the governor living in their little gated community. And they armed themselves and they protected their property. And now that's a that's another case that's probably going to go to the Supreme Court because, um, you know, th that's going to be a battle the whole way up. Those you're two talking about the McCluskeys. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's 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 interesting, you know, because I don't know. You know, you, you get different angles of the story. You, I, I always taught my kids believe none of what you read and half of what you see. Right. And so I don't know. I don't know what to believe. I mean, it seems that they were protecting their property. Uh, and then the other the other side of the story is, well, why'd they come out and sit on their, there was nobody anywhere near coming into their house. Why are they on their front porch waving a machine gun around? And it, it's going to be, it, it's an interesting, it's an interesting dynamic that's going on there. Well, that's, I don't know. I mean, look, they broke, the people broke a gate. It's a gated community. I get it. You know, and I, I have been saying this, as uh, I told Bill last week, this, the biggest problem of that whole situation, you're a lawyer, Lou, you should know this. What's the biggest problem? The feds, it wasn't strong enough. They need to put a fence. <laughs> it wasn't electrified. <laughs> when I saw that fence coming down, I'm like, you know what? They need a better fence. Oh, that's hysterical. And that's that why so I'm investing in fencing companies, security. Oh man, well. I got, bet you they got, listen, if you're in the security business right now, God bless you. Yeah. Oh, well, think, you know, about, think about the I security heard about, business. I heard about in the Hamptons, all the Manhattanites fled to their houses in the Hamptons. And yeah. I heard they were like hiring security, like left and right. 
There's never, I mean, you want to talk about a boom in business? Yep. Wow. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I'm telling you, man, fences, man. I want the fence that they put up uh, around Mexico. <laughs> the wall. I'm going to grease it down and electrocute it right in front of my house. Oh, yeah, yeah. 12 feet. <laughs> grease down every day we go out there. We grease it down. Nice. <laughs> But it's a crazy world we're living in right now, man. And you know, you're you're right, you're right in the thick of it right now because um, you know you're you're representing these captains, and and and, and uh, at least you said that the the five unions are coming together, which is rare. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. We uh, you know we we meet. Um, I hate to say it, but I leave by phone probably if not every day, every other day. I can tell you that you know I'm down the shore and. Um, my wife isn't too thrilled because I keep walking into the house with the phone and I don't come out for an hour, an hour and a half um, because we are uh, unified in our, in our goal. And our goal is to do right by our constituents, whether it's the PBA all the way up to the CEA um, in the, in the least possible thing that we could do is get some kind of direction, if not from the leadership, and let's get it from the courts on this on, on these crazy laws that they're passing, so that at least we can we can turn around and you know um, tell our people, go ahead, go do your job. You don't have to worry about getting arrested, you know, right. for doing your job. But you would hope, Louis, that the, the leadership of the PD would face that this is a different world and not give a Newt Rockney speech like, let's go out there. But the leadership, Billy. I mean, you know, it, it's interesting, right? We were bosses on the job, quote unquote. We, you know, we had bosses. They had bosses, and these bosses, the leadership of the NYPD, they have bosses too. And as and as long as their bosses are not on the same page, this is what you're going to get, right? And I, I I applaud Dermot Shea. He called them out. He called them a bunch of cowards. I'm shocked he wasn't fired. But yeah, somebody said true. to me, "Well, who the hell wants the job?" <clears throat> Who well, wants that job right now? Because if, my, my theory is that, you know what, if you, from the top down, if you decide that, you know what, the administration is not going in a direction that we want any part of, and I'm the head of it, um, we got to protect ourselves. And if I get fired, I get fired. So now you, you have to have a pact with everybody else, because if you're thinking about your political career after the fact, you don't really want to get fired. So that's where the problem comes in. But if everybody's on the same page and so say you get the job, if you get the job, we're all going to do the same thing. We're going to protect our, our our servicemen. We're going to do the right thing. We're going to make arrests. But the problem is you could always just go get somebody from an outside, uh, an, another state, another city, and, and have them be the PC. And the, the wild card is even if you get that kind of solidarity from the, from the PD leadership and then something happens and it gets sensationalized and politicized, the test case, that guy or gal is going to be hung out to dry and they're going to become the next Danny Pantaleo. And I mean, look at what happened to him. Yep. He used his training. He was sent there to clear that corner because of Comstat. The former chief of department okay. sent them there and said, we've had enough complaints. Get rid of the guy selling Lucy's. And he went there. He's got a guy three times his size. He uses his training. He does what he's got to do. He was investigated by every agency that there is. 
never indicted, investigated by the feds, never indicted by the feds, but invariably fired by the NYPD. Coincidentally, after Mayor de Blasio made a speech during his Democratic presidential run, when he said there will be justice for the Garner family. Right, right. That's telling you right there, it's a done deal, right? It, it's happening. The emperor has spoken. And once that happens, it doesn't matter who his minions are. It doesn't matter who's sitting in the police commissioner's chair. It's a done deal. Yeah. So these folks down at police headquarters are stuck with their boss. And, and, and as long as you have that, as long as you have that tension, you're not going to solve the problem. They're either all on the same page or they're not. Yeah, yeah but, but you know, he signed the diaphragm bill. Of so course Fabio he did. Signed it. Of so course he did. How could you work for a guy like that? If you're yeah, of course he did. Yeah. Like because I believe, I believe a guy like Dermot Shea really thinks that notwithstanding how, how bad it is, that he can still uh, make a difference. That guy's a true cop. He really is. Um, and then he can still make a difference and he can still help the people in the city of New York. I, I, I really, I genuinely believe he believes that. Um, and I, I, a lot of them do. But the practical consequence of this law is such that you have paralyzed the cops. You've, you've handcuffed the cops. And they're not, afraid, they're not afraid of the bad guy. They're afraid of city hall. They're afraid of the courts. They're afraid yeah. of the DAs. And nobody could blame them. No, you go to work as a good guy, and then you leave as a, as a under arrest. You, you, you leave in handcuffs. I yeah. mean, what other job can promise you such such wonderful benefits? Yeah, yeah. We'll give you we'll give you free counsel, but you'll need it though. Yeah, right. You mentioned something earlier about uh, the state and you know overall and um, the fact that you know Cuomo likes to fucking smack De Blasio right in the snout whenever he, whenever possible. So now that you pass this and you have all these other surrounding boroughs, uh, surrounding uh, cities with different municipalities, that they're not going to get involved with city stuff. You think Cuomo's going to step in and, and be like, no? He could be. Look, he one could hope, Mark. I mean, the bottom line is to the extent that our theory is that this city law preempts state law and he is the governor of the state, yeah. one would hope that he would see it the way I've just framed it, and he would step in. Let's see. You know, I'm not. I can't say if and when we're going to bring this this litigation. I can tell you, we're not going to let it lie. We can't, right? And so, you know, one of the things you're right. Maybe we could use, you know, the the tension between the governor and the mayor to our favor in this case. You know, to 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 right this this legal wrong. It but Louis, he's he's no friend of the police. He hired Letitia uh, James to do a fifty-seven page hit job on the NYPD. No, but he's but he's no friend of the police. But he's also has a, a, an, enough of a of an ego that he doesn't want New York City being an island unto itself. His yeah. troopers have been told not to take enforcement action in New York City by know, by the FBDA, right? Yeah, yeah. So to the extent that he he's proud of his troopers, you know, uh, being sitting on the FDR Drive, right? If he wants his troopers to actually do something, then he then you're right. He should get involved. That's interesting. And we'll see. He could also just turn around and say the whole state's going to go for the diaphragm law, too. <laughs> oh, God. He could the do whole, that. The whole state. Well, no. Right? So, so the only way to do that would be right now that diaphragm bill is part of the New York City Administrative Code, and it's, and it's limited to New York City. Somebody would have to sponsor, uh, you know, like a... 
kind of a sister legislation and it would have to, you know, uh, essentially um, pass the assembly and the, and, the, and the Senate and then be signed by the governor. And as, as much, look, I'm no fan of Governor Cuomo, but I think he understands what the practical impact of a, of a law like this is, especially in the context of every single neighboring police department is saying, don't go into New York City, we don't want our cops arrested. And the troopers too. That makes a yes. big deal because you know the troopers are his. Correct. Correct. So yeah. So and in, in just just for spite purposes to knock down that law and say it's a little extreme, maybe that's uh, that would be a good thing if 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 it eventually makes it to him. But you got a tough battle, man. I don't envy you. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, we all do, and um, hopefully, like you said, uh, reason and good sense will prevail. And right now, there seems to be a serious lack of both. Yeah, it's crazy. While, while you're there, would you like file a lawsuit to have them rename the Tappan Zee Bridge back? <laughs> that's my that's my biggest issue. I want to, I want to rename the Tappan Zee. Yeah, listen, yeah. A, a lot of people don't like that, but you know, you probably still call the Jackie Robinson Parkway the Interborough. That's right. Right, and the the Triborough Bridge is the Robert F Kennedy Bridge, but you call it the Triborough. You know that. Yeah, so listen, man, we're all timers, you know. The Street Bridge is not the Edward I. Well, they, they, there's another one, right? Exactly. That one I don't mind so much. Yeah, yeah. I like Koch, but they like to name like Koch the big Democrat. Everybody like Koch. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Think about that. Think about standing in front of a subway. He used to stand outside, you know, when people came out of the hole, and he'd be like, "Hey, how am I doing?" How am I doing? How am I doing? Yeah, but you know what's funny is that people came up to him and they told him how he was doing. The guy, the guy imagine that. Imagine de Blasio doing that. Oh. He'd, he'd get hit with I, don't, I don't think he wants to hear how he's doing. No. Not a fit. I don't think he's got a I don't know who voted for him, man. That's a I'd love to see that, man. It's probably That's the, the smallest person. turnout in city history, uh, his election. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's funny. You know, the, the, the interesting thing is uh, he's got 18 months to go. And um, who knows who's waiting in the wings, man? I know. There's three, there's three guys that are just as bad. Yeah, but you know, you know, you never know. Giuliani could come back. I thought of that the other day. And I don't see it. I don't see him coming back. No. I, I saw him. Th I'm telling you, Trump is going to tell him, go back there, straighten it out, and I'll call you back in two years. <laughs> That's what I'm I telling you. It all depends. Know. You know, this election, and uh, I've never been in an election that's going to mean so much. But uh, if anything, Giuliani's got a, a, somebody that he can recommend, somebody that's like him, that he's schooled, that he can take over. Because Audio I, is choppy. Well, look at this right now. If we continue on this path right now, there's no way that any of these guys that are waiting in the wings is going to win. There's no way. Well, I hope you're right. I mean, so many people are looking to sell right now um, their apartments. And then even though if those people get out, somebody's got to buy them. Yeah. And those people are not going to want to be dealing with, uh, you know, you know, we had a good thing there, man, for a number of years. It's a shame to just destroy it for no reason. Listen, at this rate, you know, uh, 
if it continues, you may want to hold off a bit, and then it might be a good time to buy in New York City with the hope that eventually it comes it'll back. Drop, yeah, it'll drop so low. You're right. Yeah, that's another thing right now. I mean, right now, if it, if it, uh, let's say you had an apartment that you wanted to sell for a million dollars, because you get rid of it for eight fifty? Yeah, probably. That's where you, nobody's going to give you a million dollars right now. That's, you're bailing out. You look at a map right now. Uh, they put a little red flag of all the apartments that are for sale in New York City. Look at a map. You can you can just Google it, and it, the whole thing looks like a red state. Wow. Everybody failing, man. Anywho, listen, we're at a we're we're at almost at an yeah, hour. We went further, yeah, we went longer than we actually were supposed to. You were you were kind enough to grace us, Lou, and you, you you gave us some tremendous insight once again. I wish you the best of luck on your endeavor. Listen, thanks for having me on. I just got one. I have a shout out to a sergeant. Uh, I don't know if you know him, Louis. Sergeant Pete Panuccio. Pete the Heat, they call him. He's <laughs> retiring on July 30th after 38 years on the job. And he works in Nightwatch. Wow. If that doesn't kill you, uh, 38 years on a job could. But I just want to shout out Pete, uh, Pete Panuccio, 38 yes. years. Wow. I hope you live God long. bless you, Pete. Yeah. It's life after the job. Ask me how I know. <laughs> yeah. You got that law degree. Uh-huh. Well, um, Lou, any parting words? Listen, guys, all I can tell you is stay safe, keep the faith, never ever give up. And in the great word, in the great Louis Anamon's words, never back down. Yo, that's Louis, man. We have that on tape. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah, you know what, man? Right now there's another, there's another um Hopefully, there's, there's another Louis Anamone in, in the making right now. This is the way like you, you mentioned earlier that this, all this stuff is cyclical and it happens. You know, I came, people always ask me, like, would you come on the job now? And I'm like, well, I came on in 92. There was a peak of the crack epidemic. Crime was crazy. I probably would take the job right now. Well, you know, they needed the job. So right. um, I, I hate to say it's all relative because now it's a lot worse than when I came on. But there's still going to be people that take the job. And there's, still, there's somebody in the department right now that's got a vision, that's going to make a difference. And whoever you are out there, man, do it, because we need you right now. <laughs> but, but Louis Anamone had his Rudy Giuliani. That was the difference. Well, know? there's a, there's another Rudy Giuliani coming out there, because this is what this is what creates these great people, these visionaries, you know, that knows that there's a better life. It could be better, that we don't have to put up with this shit. And, you know, for all the people out there that, you know, that are watching the show, man, thanks for tuning in. We get a lot of positive responses every single week. I try to get back to as many people as possible. I know Bill does as well. Uh, Lou, you're a family member here now. You're one of us. He, his call dropped out, so we're done. From police off the cuff, we should say good evening. All right, Bill. Thanks right. a lot, man. See you later, man.